I totally missed the Random Thoughts five-year anniversary. Snap did a sextortion study, and the numbers are horrifying. The Urban Doom Loop. Well, it's already here. I'll tell you what it is and a whole lot more on today's Random Thoughts. Hello and welcome to episode number 238 of the Random Thoughts podcast. You can spell that R-A-N-D-U-M-B, thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. And since we're really bad at marketing, I just realized it's been five years on May 25th. So we only missed it by about a month. Five-year anniversary of this podcast. It's, of course, I mean, 238. There's about 52 episodes a year. The math works out, but I'd like to thank everybody for listening and supporting the show over this time. And every now and then we get something right. One of the things that we've talked a lot about over the past few years were things like deep fakes and the whole sextortion concept. And I looked that one up. We did an episode. Well, we, the Royal, we, that would be me and my crack staff here which consists of me myself and i and then of course the audio producer same uh same lineup the producer the writers the talent if you can call it that that's all me back on episode 153 which was just about two years ago now did a whole show on sextortion warned you about what was going on, told you what to look for. And we've done some updates over the last few months because this is back in the news again, as it is today because of a study or a survey that was done by Snap, the company that owns one of the social media outlets, Snapchat. And the information here taken from a Fox Business article says about two out of every three teenagers are targeted by sextortion schemes. That's an easy word to say, sextortion. So it's extortion with the S at the beginning. Two out of every three teenagers, according to this research done by Snap Incorporated. It's a serious crime, says the FBI where the perpetrators exchange or receive nude photos from victims over the internet, then use the victim's photos to extort them for money or for more nude photos. It seems that if this happens to attractive females, they want more photos. When it happens to guys, they just want the money. That's the whole concept. They just want the money. They say that these schemes do disproportionately target young men for money on the social media apps, including Snapchat, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, and others, though girls are also targets for explicit images and photos. So the guys, as I know I mentioned on the last time when I talked about this, for some reason the guys are dumb enough to do this, thinking they're actually interacting with a female on the internet, and it turns out not so much. The 
number of people involved in this, though, is the really concerning part because you knew it was going on. But when you're going down to the point of like two out of every three has some kind of connection to this. The article goes on to say that 65% of teens on Snapchat and other apps said they or their friends were targets of sextortion in which they were either catfished, tricked into speaking with people lying about their identity. I mean, that happens all the time as well. Or hacked for private information, including explicit photos that were then used against them. Instances, it says, were then split by catfishing and hacking. 51% of the respondents said they or their friends fell victim to catfishing. 47% saying they were hacked, which is a very confusing numbers here. But a little over half then were tricked, allegedly, into sending the photos by somebody pretending to be somebody else. Again, the term for that is catfishing. 47% saying they were hacked, and hacked in this case is probably the wrong word for what was going on. A lot of times people don't use good passwords, or it's easy to reset those passwords if you know somebody's information, which is why things like, hey, what's your mother's maiden name? You can look that up. It's not hard to find on the internet. You should never give the accurate information. If you're asked these dumb questions on your bank site or if they're going to call you, make something up that only you would know. Even if their questions are the same old antiquated ones, like the name of your first school, just say Hogwarts, which I mean, a lot of people are probably doing. So don't do that. But make up something totally unique that only you will remember. And that's what you want to use, not the actual information because the actual information is very easy to find now on the internet through things, especially with a lot of people that are very interested in genealogy. It's not hard to find maiden names. It's not hard to find things online like, Oh, who was your first grade teacher or who was your first boyfriend or girlfriend? You want to be careful with those answers. Because when they're doing this as a security precaution, that means when a stranger comes to the bank and says, hey, I'm you, and I forgot my password, they'll be like, well, okay, Mr. Whoever, uh, what's your mother's maiden name? If you have that answer, there's a good chance they're just going to let them into your bank account, which is not a good idea. A former Snapchat employee had previously told Fox News Digital that almost 100% of these sextortionist attempts came from Nigerian users, and the victims were almost always young men. And the reason for that was young men usually not used to getting that kind of attention. And again, this wouldn't be hard to thwart. If you have kids, you have to have this conversation with them. Because this is not a question of, will this happen to them? It seems to be a question of when at this point, with the numbers we're getting on things like this survey or whatever they're calling it, study. And while it may not be this bad, it all depends who answers these things, and it could be skewed in one way or the other, but it's no doubt 
that this is rampantly running through the internet. Snapchat is going to put in a new feature for the reporting, which will now have the phrase, quote, they leaked slash are threatening to leak my nudes. So users can then alert Snapchat to a possible sextortion scheme. So this is what it's coming down to. The social media companies are building this in like, oh, do you have a problem with us? What is your problem? Choose here if you're being sextorted. It says they're also going to launch a new safety series to educate users on the dangers of sextortion and teach them how to handle a sextortion situation. And my original answer would be this is up to the parents to tell the kids in the first place not to be complete morons and not to sell or send or sell. I mean, if I guess if you're going to take them, you may as well sell them, but don't send compromising photographs. And the problem with that being the only advice given is there's a whole new wrinkle to this now. And I talked in one of the previous episodes about Adobe's new generative fill, which was part of their Firefly product, which is now built into the beta version of the new Photoshop, where you can do some really cool things. And because of that, the rise of deepfakes is going to continue accelerating because it's so damn easy to do it, even with normal tools. Now, you don't even have to go into the CD parts of the internet. You don't have to go onto the dark web. Using the Adobe Generative Fill, you can do a whole lot of things which can create photographs, even in the Adobe Safe mode, which is all they offer you. You can do things that will alter a photograph to put it into the realm of these sextortion schemes. So this is something that you also need to be aware of as parents. And you also need to make your children aware of the fact that if somebody sends a photo, which looks like you, but it's not you, but it looks like you maybe doing something you shouldn't be doing, or maybe it looks like you dressed in something that you wouldn't want to be dressed in and photographed. You have to be very careful. You have to understand that these things are easy to fake at this point. And the younger generation doesn't seem to care when they're being sextorted. I read something about that not too long ago, may have talked about it here, that it doesn't really matter if the images they're being sextorted with are real or not. They don't care. So if somebody can just make up those kind of photos that look like your daughter or son, really good chance they're going to be like, oh, I'll pay up. So you need to have that chat with them and you need to understand what these tools can do because things like the Adobe Generative Fill and there's a lot of privacy issues. I think just with this particular bit of software on its own and I've sent Adobe some questions late last week, have not heard back from them yet. I'm like, hey, I got a bunch of podcasts. I got a bunch of questions, including what happens to those original photos that you're looking to add or remove things from, because this all goes to the mothership. This was the similar concept 
when these all these devices came out, your Amazon device, your Apple Watch, your Apple phone, where it would listen to what you're saying and try to turn that into a text command so you could just tell your thing, hey, tell me the weather. Well, the device wasn't smart enough or powerful enough to turn your voice into text, so it was taking those recordings and sending them to the mothership. With Adobe, it's the same way because the AI generative filthing only works when you're online. And I have no idea how much of that information it is sending to Adobe, whether it's sending the whole image, whether it's just sending parts of it, whether Adobe stores any of that. And it's like, to me, that's very freaky as well. So if you're taking, you know, a photo of your family at the beach and you want to remove a couple of people in the background, is Adobe going to have a copy of that picture? If so, I think they should let people know. If not, I think that should be something that is easy for somebody else to audit. But we're going down on a slightly off ramp there, a little bit of a tangent on this technology and what is involved when you're dealing with things that are using computer power outside of your actual PC when you're sending this stuff into the cloud. But I'm going to attach a photo to this episode. If you want to see the kind of things that Adobe Generative Fill can do, I took a photo of Victoria's Secret model, Candice Swanapuel, and you'll see one image, which is an original image, and you'll see one that has been created using the Adobe Generative Fill. And again, to do this, you don't need any Photoshop skills. You don't need any technical skills. You just need to be able to point, select, and then type a word in, describe something, and it comes up with whatever you tell it to. You can see if you can tell which one of those images was the original and which one was the made up. Feel free to reach out and give me your guesses on No Agenda Social, Darren O'Neill at noagendasocial.com, Twitter at Darren O'Neill, or just Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N at randomthoughts, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com. The main thing you want to learn here, though, is the technology is now there to drastically alter photos, to put people into different locations and I've tried to fool this thing, and I'm sure I'm on a few different lists for the stuff that I've been trying to get this Adobe software to do, but it's very interesting. So if you take a photo of somebody where they're outside and, you know, it's very sunny, just like right in their face, you've seen the photos where there's shadows and all that. And you're like, well, nobody would ever believe this if you took it out of this particular situation and put it into another surrounding well this is exactly what this ai stuff is good at because you do that and then create a new background in a case like this with the sun and all of a sudden there's a reason for it there's a sunny window that you can see off to the side it does a very good job of taking the photo that you have at hand and back in the day if you wanted to take a object or a person in this case out of a photograph and put it into a different photograph, you had to be very good at masking. That's what they call it. When you would go through and painstakingly choose those little strands of hair. And a lot of times hair was the biggest problem 
but you know, you had to select those fingers. You didn't want to miss any fingers. You had to go through and make sure every bit of that person was selected in order to get that image into another photograph or whatever you're bringing it into. Now the Adobe Photoshop, they have an object select mode, which works way better than I ever thought this could going back 10 years or so ago, where you just hover over a person and you click. And it does 99.9% of the work for most people. It's You're never going to have to mess with it. And in the situations where you do, it's not a whole lot of work to get it in the selection, the mask, exactly the way you want it. And then it will do whatever it can to make the new world you're putting it into make sense. So again, parents, adults, understand that this technology is out there and make sure your children understand this technology is out there where the more photos you publish online, the greater chance that this is going to happen to you and where things like the Adobe Generative Fill try to keep it from doing bad things. One, it's not 100% perfect. And two, it's, it's still in the beta, but it's also very confusing at times because you could just tell it to expand the image and it would be like, oh, this does not, this is not in our terms of service. I don't know what the Adobe system is trying to make out of that photo, but I'm guessing that the system goes something like this. It generates something. And if it seems it looks like that might be not suitable for work, then it goes and just pulls that back before you get to see it. And there are a bunch of different AI companies out there now. Some are way better than others. Some seem to be just outright scams, but there are now AI companies out there that are doing little more than making porn generators with some of them offering the feature of, whoa, you know, who do you want this model to look like? I mean, if you have some photos of a person that, you know, that, that this should kind of look like, just upload them here. And the laws on a lot of this stuff are catching up, but it's going to be a long time. And there's going to be a lot of questions about exactly what is legal, what is not legal, what is deemed appropriate and what's deemed inappropriate when using these AIs to create things that look like actual people. And it's going to be interesting to watch. But regardless of that, you have to know what's out there. And that way you can at least do what you can to protect yourself. And you also, this is kind of a get out of jail free card too, because if the Hunter Biden laptop thing, if that happened, you know, like today or probably even more so like two years from now, I just, he could have just been like deep fake. Nope. This is all just AI. That's not me. The technology is getting that good. There's a company called Midjourney, and I've seen some of their most recent work that is so photorealistic. You still have to avoid hands. They don't do hands well. That's one thing if you're trying to determine whether something is an AI creation or not. Look at the hands and feet. For whatever reason, still has a huge 
problem with that. Otherwise, it creates photorealistic models that will fool almost everybody that looks at it, which means a lot of models are going to be without work. I don't think there's any question on that. And you have to realize a lot of these AI services that are maybe less than uh, scrupulous that will allow somebody to put your photo or your children's photos into it and then create uh, not suitable for work images, they're not going to be based in the United States. So this, again, is where the Internet being a international thing, there is only so much that can be done. And what you have to do is try to not feed the beast. Do not put tons of high-res photos of you and your family online because once those are out there, then they're there for the AIs to learn. They're there for people to use for all sorts of bad things. So just be aware. And if you check out the show notes, let me know which of those photos you think is the original and which was created by the AI. Now, have you heard of the Urban Doom Loop? I love that name. I don't know who came up with it, but I love that name. This was also an article on the Fox business site. The business districts in a number of America's major cities like New York and San Francisco are facing an urban doom loop. That's a great name, an urban doom loop. As the workforce shifts away from office work in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, a trend that has economists raising alarm about the fiscal impacts. Yeah, there's a lot of open office space in our major cities. And with nobody rushing to fill that office space, that is an issue. You hear talk like, well, you can give that to the homeless. It's like, yeah, but who's going to pay for it all? And then what is that going to do to even further encourage the lawlessness going on in our downtown areas? But this decrease in working from the office, no question having huge impacts across the country. I mean, I can only imagine Starbucks has lost a lot of money because there were a lot of people. You know, you head out in the morning, they would pick up a coffee, either hop on the train or drive into work, and maybe on the way home, the same thing. Now you just make coffee at home. Usually you're not going to go out to Starbucks. Maybe some people will if they don't know how to make their own coffee at home. Maybe there are some people that still do that, but most of the people, I think if you're working from home, you're walking downstairs, you're throwing a K-cup and a Keurig, or you're brewing a pot of coffee. So the coffee shops are hurting. The places where people would go out to lunch if you were working downtown here in Chirac and you wanted to go grab a burger or grab a sandwich for lunch, well, you'd go to a local restaurant. If you're working from home, you're probably just going to the kitchen. So it is changing a lot of the way that people are living. It's definitely changing the need for certain businesses in urban areas. The article says the workforce migration poses challenges for business relying on sale and traffic from bustling downtowns. Yeah. And risks triggering a fiscal doom loop. Yeah, you don't want that. And the loop is when cities see the tax revenues dwindle and then they respond by raising taxes or reducing their services, of course, which then continues further and further and further. So the less people that are working downtown, the less tax money coming in, so you have to raise the prices, and then even less people buy, and then the companies go out of business, and the Democrats 
who run most of these cities go, wow, we didn't see this coming. The article has a quote here, a National Bureau of Economic Research working paper entitled Work from Home and the Office Real Estate Apocalypse warns that major U.S. cities could be on the brink of slipping into such a downward spiral. It's already going on. The economists who wrote the paper noted that office occupancy in major U.S. office markets plummeted from 95% in February of 2020 to 10% at the end of March 2020 due to the pandemic. Well, that makes sense. As the economy has reopened, the occupancy rates have not recovered. They've only reached 47% of its pre-pandemic level by mid-September 2020. The total decline, for instance, in New York City, commercial office value, $518.7 billion in the short run and $453.6 billion in the long run. It's absolutely staggering when you think about it. San Francisco facing a similar plight, it says, which, I mean, there's a lot of problems in San Francisco. As an example, one San Francisco high-rise office building located at 350 California Street The vacancy rate is now about 75%. Its value has fallen from around 300 million in 2019 to about 60 million to 67.5 million today. That is losing 80% in value. This is why our major cities are circling the drain. And as long as the mentality is still that workers don't need to go in, this is going to continue, as well as stories that things like people working three jobs and the bosses of all the companies don't know. When you're sitting in an office, it's a lot harder to be working for another company if they have make you come in. I just can't believe so many companies are still all in on this work from home. I cannot believe for a minute that the quality of the work and the overall workforce showing up to do what they're supposed to do when they're supposed to do it. Can't believe that's really happening either. But in another story that is no surprise at all, DC's giant, that's the name of it, supermarkets could be closing amidst massive crime waves. Is this any really uh, surprise to anybody who's been following along? We've talked about the stores here in Chicago, the Walgreens. It's only going to have two aisles now, everything else behind bulletproof glass. And you have to go to a kiosk and order it because crime, crime, crime that's not being punished. The Washington, D.C. giant food supermarket chain, it says, may close a number of its locations amidst a surge in theft and violence over the last five years. The company's president, Ira Kress, told WTOP Local News. Quote, they steal everything from roasts to shrimp to deodorant to razor blades, you name it. He also highlighted how organized crime groups are now hiring other thieves to steal for them. Giant Food operates 165 supermarkets in the U.S. capital, Maryland, Virginia, and Delaware, and employs over 20,000 people. It's been around since the 1930s and is owned by Ahold Del Hazi which I'm sure I'd said completely wrong. If Adam Curry's listening, he can yell at me. A Dutch holding firm 
that also owns Food Lion, Stop and Shop, and other grocery chains. Now, they've tried doing some things to quell the shoplifting and quell the violence, including limiting the number of store entrances. So, yeah, not as convenient. We might close one whole side of the building down. Hiring more security guards because everybody feels better when there's a lot more security around, which, I mean, you should at this point. Restricting the number of items at self-checkout. So, okay, it's not as convenient. And limiting the number of items one may carry in their basket. Now, that one, I want to know how that works. Like, hello, sir, you're shopping for too many things. <laughs> I mean, because you, once you put it all in the cart, you just run. You don't pay. And there's nothing they can do about it. So, I don't know what the answer is going to be here, but the... Short term seems to be that a lot of these stores are just going away because they can no longer deal with the economic impact of getting robbed over and over and over again. The CEO blames the weakness of the justice system in refusing to punish offenders, arguing, quote, it is extraordinarily easy to see stolen items now. And if it's easy to make money and there are little to no penalties for getting caught doing it, then more people are taking advantage of that. Yes, end quote. You're taking advantage of the government saying, well, we're not going to really, we'll just, if you get caught, we'll just slap you on the wrist. So this is now a business, this is now a job choice for people. I could just be a professional shoplifter because the government isn't going to punish me for doing it. So why shouldn't I? It is absolutely crazy, but this is where we are as a society. So when your local shop closes for whatever that may be, whether it's groceries, whether it's whoever, whatever it is, when it closes, don't be surprised because they probably were shoplifted out of business. And you can thank the liberal DAs who refuse to do anything about it because, oh, those poor people, they just have to steal. This is anarchy. And it's being funded by George Soros. It's being funded by the left. This is exactly what they want. So if you keep voting Democrat, y'all deserve it. With that said, this is a value for value podcast. Getting a little angry there. I was just encroaching upon the Ryan Bemrose level of anger there. Ryan does a show called Angry Tech News. And this is angry non-tech news, I guess. But this is a value for value podcast. This random thought show that I do. I put the shows out there. They're not behind a paywall. If you've gotten any value out of them whatsoever, like, hey, we told you about sextortion years ago. If you find that valuable, you can put a number on that. Whatever it is to you, it might be enough to buy a coffee at Starbucks, which is what, like $36 now. Might be enough to buy a pizza, which has to be like $142. Whatever it is, you put a number on it. Go over to randomthoughts, R-E-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com slash donate. You can do a one-time or monthly donation through PayPal. You can use the QR codes or wallet addresses if you want to do the crypto thing. You can use a P.O. box address if you want to go the snail mail route. You can go over to Random Thoughts on Patreon if you're over there. And if you use a podcasting 2.0 enabled app and you stream Satoshis, all the cool kids are doing it, then you can send us a boostergram. You can send Satoshis every minute you listen to the show, however you decide to do it. It is all very much appreciated, and I have a few people to thank for today's show. 
including Sir Sean of the Allegheny Valley coming in with his monthly $15, which is very much appreciated. That guy is one of the patron saints of podcasters right now. He supports a lot of shows and we all appreciate it because it's, it's hard times right now. Maybe you haven't heard the Joe Biden economy. Not quite so good. Dame Slamey coming in with 565. It says, while it's a bummer to miss random thoughts last week, I'm glad you skipped it for your good health instead of bad. Keep it up. We'll cheer from the sidelines. Thank you for your courage. And thank you, Dame Slamey. I try to get these shows out every week, but sometimes the time just seems to run out. And also a 565 donation from our buddy, Sir Truck Driver out there on the roads, enjoying the summer, I'm sure. But that just means there's more crazy people on the road. So be respectful and pay attention, kids. Those big rigs do not stop quick. And thank you, Sir Truck Driver, Dame Slamey, and Sir Sean of the Allegheny Valley for supporting the Random Thoughts podcast. Again, if you got any value out of the show whatsoever, just go to randomthoughts.com slash donate and get in on all the fun. With all that said, I plan on being back next week with another edition of the Random Thoughts podcast. I hope you will join me. Until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening. 